So today, our guest is Blair Primus. Blair Primus has been making and breaking the rules of marketing for over 20 years. He is currently the SVP of Marketing and Talent Management at Ortho Carolina, and he's on the board of directors at a lot of different companies, um, <laughs> Isabella Sanders Foundation, Nota Brewing, College of Health at Queens, Launch Tower Health, and if that's not enough, he is also an instructor at Skill Pop, where I actually had the pleasure of taking one of his classes. So we've not actually met in person; we've only e-met. So I'm I know excited it's to crazy. Yeah, with Blair. Yeah, again. So it feels though in this strange virtual world that we're living in, it feels like a traditional meeting. I guess. Yeah, exactly. It's exciting now to be like, oh my God, you, you're taller than I thought you were because I right? never actually seen you beyond beyond your from this part up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. You guys, what you yes, guys don't yes. what you guys don't realize is my chair is in its lowest setting. I'm actually six four, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm actually in my kitchen. And I'm so glad for everybody to join. Um, thanks for being with us. And you are known for making a splash and breaking the rules of marketing um, and uh, for the work that you've been doing at Ortho Carolina. So, you know, just give us a little insight on your marketing mantra and why you choose to do what you do. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. So thank you guys for having me. And I'm excited to, to chat. It's, I think like everybody that uh, I've seen do this before, it's a pleasure to see all the familiar faces and names um, on the screen. It's really kind of encouraging, warms your heart, to, even if it's virtual, or even if you're just a black box with white names in front, it's nice to know that you're there. Um, yeah, so I've been at Ortho Carolina, amazingly, July will be 12 years that I've been here. And just to give everybody some perspective, if you're not familiar, Ortho Carolina is a multi-specialty orthopedics practice. Uh, it is based here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, Having said that, we are one of the largest practices in the United States though. So all of our community should feel incredibly fortunate to have some of the world-class doctors uh, so close uh, and uh, so nearby to, to treat them should they have the need. Um, and so, you know, we're a 1800 person, uh, 45 office location in two states. Uh, we have, you know, 160 orthopedic surgeons uh, in a non-pandemic uh, time, we would see in the neighborhood of about a million plus patients per year, and we're just a subspecialty. Uh, so to give you the sense of our, our scale and size, it is pretty significant. So kind of cutting to the chase, what I'll tell you is when I got here uh, back in 2009, um, we were a fraction of that size. So we have actually seen over 100% growth in my time that we've been here. Now we've been buffeted by the fact that we're in an area of the country that has also experienced significant growth. And so other than that, I'm gonna take the credit for all of our growth. So other than just organically people loving Charlotte in this region. Um, but having said that in all candor, I think that we were able to successfully leverage the fact that we were an area of choice or a, a geography of choice. And I think that's ultimately really the strategy we put in place you know, it didn't take very long before I thought that we didn't need to think about Ortho Carolina as a service. We needed to think about it as a product. How would you take a product and integrate it into people's lives on their time in their way, how they want it? A service, especially a service like ours, um, if you think about it, right, nobody really wants to be in our waiting room, right? I mean, you're there for a reason you don't want to be. You're not coming there just because you want to see what's the latest and greatest in the world of orthopedics. I don't know how many people do that. Maybe there are some of you on the phone that do, but not many do. 
I don't think you get up in the morning and check your list and say, I can't, geez, what is the latest, you know, with a togolite chondrocyte transplantation? I'm just dying to know, right? What is the latest of spinal stenosis? Since no one does that, we figured if a product is valuable in someone's lives, they will choose to interact with it on their time, not on our time. And so we started in earnest in November of 20, 2009, rethinking our brand as a product and putting it into places where people would, it would fit into their lives, not how they would fit into our lives. And that really became the ethos by which we did all of our work. You know, for whatever uh, phrase you wanna use, you know, disruptive or kind of breaking the mold or being non-traditional, you know, I embrace those thoughts and those ideas. And I, and I do so because I think it's how we position ourselves as a product in the market that allows us to get that recognition. If you have that belief and you have that drive, if your ethos is, why can't we do this if we're a product, then really anything is open. Why couldn't you sponsor TEDx? Why couldn't you create a walking event in the park? Why can't you create a foundation to help you know, underserved healthcare organizations? Why can't you support the roller girls? It doesn't just have to be some of the big things that you might typically associate with a musculoskeletal practice or even better with a sports medicine partnership. Clearly we take care of a lot of athletes and we're fortunate to take care of NFL teams and you know, minor league baseball teams and the vast majority of colleges and universities and high schools in our region. But the reality is I struggle to think about why we can't support anything. We support creatives, we support musicians, we support public gathering spaces. Why? Because that's where people want to be. So don't we want our product to be in front of them when they're in those spaces? It applies to community-based you know, efforts. I mean, our strategy is really very simple and candidly, it's been the same thing for like a decade. You know, brand recognition, uh, you know, content, uh, you know, creation and quite frankly, proprietary content creation and then community integration and all the words in that strategy are intentional. It isn't community support or community sponsorship. It's community integration. I want to be integrated into the communities we serve, not just somebody that writes a check for it. And so I talk a lot about the idea that if you're a product, you want to have your product in front of people as often as possible. Other than the fact that you can't actually have an e-commerce functionality with our website, I would say we're that close to being kind of product centric in terms of how we think about ourselves. Um, and so from point A to point Z, whatever that may look like, that's the approach that we take. And it opens our brand to being more adaptable to being a partner or a sponsor or a, or a, or a underwriter of things that never existed before. And I see a lot of these, I see a lot of the names on the screen here today who I've done exactly this with, like, why can't we be your partner? Why can't we create something that didn't exist before? Um, I think I still see Garrett Tishy on here. If he is, then, you know, the, the idea with what we did with Huga back in the day was if there was an area in town where nonprofits were struggling to find a way to have meeting space because it was costing them money, couldn't we use his co-working space, Huga? And why don't we rent it for a year and give it away to nonprofits so they have a meeting space? That's and great. we actually did. And we actually did that. And it's that kind of methodology we try to put in place as often as possible with as many different groups as we can. We try to think about, you know, we're, we're savvy marketers. We have target audiences. I mean, while, while I did my opening spiel, I should have mentioned we are a for-profit institution. Our number one goal is staying in business. Having said that, uh, we do try to think uh, differently and or, dare I say it, more creatively 
about the role that we play in the markets that we're in. And so, you know, disruptive or being creative or breaking the mold, all of that is very welcome. But I really think it's just thinking about yourself differently. And then more, even more importantly, actually behaving differently too. It's one thing to talk the talk. It's another thing to walk the walk. And I think we work really hard to make sure that we do the walking and a lot less talking. Yeah. And if people need help with their walking, they can come to Earth Care. <laughs> um, it's almost as if the two of us teed that up. I, I swear everybody on the phone, we did not tee that up. But yes, Jess, that was perfect. 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 Yes. You talked a bit about, you know, being part of the Charlotte market and, you know, it obviously, you know, you're providing a product for the people pretty much locally. I'm sure some people do travel yeah. here for the Carolina. Um, talk a little bit about how important it is to kind of, you know, be a part of the community, know the community as a marketer so that you can uh, be part of the fabric of it and know who you're talking to. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I think that that might be one of the biggest, um, one of the biggest bummers for me of this pandemic um, is beyond all the terrible things that have occurred in, in, in the country, you know, selfishly, the idea that I can't really network with people, I can't be at Amelie's and bump into folks, we can't go to events and rub shoulders and talk to one another and see how you're doing and hear what you're up to. Um, no secret sauce here. I mean, a lot of how we figure out what we're going to do, Jess, is by me just going to meet people and seeing what they're up to and figuring out a way for Ortho Carolina to support it or be involved. I would say 50 partnerships, maybe more in my 12 years have come from simply being somewhere and asking folks, what is it you're up to? And how can I figure out a way for my organization to be a participant in it? Whether it's creating a podcast or underwriting a space or figuring out an opportunity to be supportive in an area that otherwise might not be thought of that way, that's the role we should play. Um, so much so that a phrase that I like to use for folks is, we want Charlotte and the region around it, and, and for Ortho Carolina's sake, I will include Winston-Salem and High Point and Rock Hill and Concord and Salisbury and Shelby and Boone and all the areas that we have in office. Um, if I'd take that 250 mile radius, we want to actually be in the business of making that community stronger tomorrow than it was yesterday. And if that is actually an outcome of our efforts, I really wonder why every business shouldn't be in the business of making their community stronger for tomorrow than it was for yesterday. How can that be bad for anyone's business? Tell me how that's a negative, right? More consumers more interaction, more arrivals. Like the idea is that I see numbers all over the place. Is it hundred people a day that move here, 70 people a day? Whatever it is that they're moving here, if you think about it, we've got to make the community stronger so that those that move here decide to stay and those that haven't yet moved here decide to do so. Yeah. From a pure branding perspective, let me take a step back. From a pure branding perspective, I think I saw some data that said by 2023, 25% of all the people that live in our region will have been here less than three years. Wow. So if you think about that in the true sense of new, true sense of new, mm -hmm. brand recognition only goes so far as your ability to be in front of them. A brand is only what people think it is. Brand is only what people think it is. It's not what you think it is. That's called marketing. A brand is only what people think it is. 
So if you just moved here three years ago and you've not hurt your knee or have no back pain or your wrist is functioning properly, you don't know if we do orthodontics or orthopedics. That's a However, good point. <laughs> however if you know that we support a community effort or a community walk or something you're involved in in your neighborhood or we underwrite something that you are comfortable with, you will become familiar with our brand even when you do not need us. And ultimately that is what I'll maybe call a disruptive or mold breaking methodology when it comes to how to spend your marketing dollars. You know, we're open to virtual, we, I try, try, uh, someone on my team maybe be doing it, but we try to take every meeting we possibly can to discuss with folks what the ideas are. And in many cases, it's seen as a pioneering effort. And I'm very nerdy about the, the, the space that I'm in. I consume a ton of content and marketing and advertising and PR and all that kind of stuff. But having said, you know, it's really the end of the day is like getting out and being around getting out and being around people, doing that networking is really what drives a lot of that community building, right? To answer your question, Jess, it's, it's what I miss the most about the yeah. last year is not really being able to do it. I mean, the moments, like the fact that you and I have known each other for a year and actually have never met is sort of like, how much does that stink? Like, yeah, <laughs> met, but like, darn it, it's a bummer that we really can't do it. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, you know, kind of speaking of, you know, maybe the pandemic or maybe not, what is still daunting to you when it comes to marketing? You've done this such a long time. Um, you know, mm. you've got probably a lot of good skill set and a lot of tricks that you can pull out. But sure. what still, when when you're approached with a challenge, what still is daunting to you, if anything, about it? To me, it's a speed. And so here's what I mean by that. Um, I think oftentimes the desire is to make decisions very quickly because you don't want to miss time based on what it is you're ever being presented with, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, tipping my hat to digital or the internet marketing space. I think there's a preeminent um, pressure on marketers to be first to market, to don't miss the latest thing that's happening with the Google algorithm, or are you making sure your core web vitals are up to date? Because if you're not, you're going to be screwed on X, Y, and Z. I think the pressure for marketers is speed. And so I think the challenge is, to be deliberate, to take your time. I don't want to be last to market. And at the same time, I may not always want to be first to market either. And so I think what's daunting to me is managing the pressure that you sometimes feel to say, um, should we be doing that? And if we aren't, should we be doing it faster? Or if we decide not to, do we keep our eye on it to make sure that we didn't miss something? Um, yeah. I, I think I'm just too old now to be worried about, you know, the, the idea that somebody has a better idea than we do. Everybody has a better idea than we do. I used to be hung up on that. I want the best ideas. Well, the reality is everyone's idea is better than ours now. Having said that, I just want to make sure the decisions we make are done at the proper cadence and speed and time. Know when to be deliberate and know when to move quickly. And that's what's daunting. Deciphering between the two becomes the challenge. Uh, yeah. But, but. It's also what makes it fun. Yeah. It's also and what the, makes it exciting. That, yeah, the grind of it. Yeah. And I do like the idea too. I try to think of this in my practices, you know, keep things intentional. I agree. It's hard. There's, yeah. it, it's so fast paced now with the reels and the TikTok and everything. <laughs> and, every, like, and, every, and everything. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm a huge madman fan and I refer to this a lot, but, you know, uh, sort of an ethos that I live by is, you know, simple but significant, which is sort of a Don Draper quote. And I, I believe in it wholeheartedly, you know, you know, being, being um, concise in your ability to talk and tell stories yet still have meaning is a very powerful ethos. 
And if yeah. you apply that to the methodology that you implement in a sort of marketing strategy, you're actually very well positioned to be successful in the space that you're in. How do we make this simple, but meaningful? And they have to both be there. It can't be one or the other. Simple means it's just easy, but nobody gives a crap about it. And sometimes meaningful means you made it so complex, it's not easy to use. So that's the balance that we have to play. So I think, you know, quick to market is, is maybe the most daunting thing that we face as a brand. Yeah. We have a question from Jamie Decker, and I'm going to read it to you. Um, Great. Blair, as OC gets bigger and as even a global reach through virtual programs and clinics like the hip and knee joint and infection clinic, which draw people from all over to come to Charlotte. Will you expand your community integration as well or maintain the Charlotte region as the core OC community culture? And assuming you will, how will you identify those outside communities that will feed into your local practices and get your brand in front of them? So if anybody doesn't know Jamie Decker, get to know her, A, because what a, a, what a question, and B, um, she is a fantastic entrepreneur here in Charlotte that is doing some amazing things. So look up Experience Anatomy, Jamie Decker. She's, she's uh, fantastic. Okay, so to answer the question, uh, we will, we will uh, be, we have a pretty decent footprint now. If you dropped a pin on Trade and Tryon, I think you, know, you would go maybe 250 miles in any direction and that's sort of the region that which we occupy. Geographically, we continue to feel like there's still opportunity in all of those communities around that circle to be better integrated with our local communities. We'd love to have more of a presence like we do in Charlotte in Winston-Salem. We'd love to have more of a presence like we do in Rock Hill, um, you know, Shelby or Concord. We even have offices way far out near close to Raleigh out in Laurenburg, North Carolina. And the idea would be to replicate this model as often as we can, as vastly as we can, and Absolutely, we want there to be the same types of partnerships and, and opportunities for those communities to embrace the same vision. And how can North Carolina play a role in that vision locally in all of those communities? So um, great, great question. And the answer is yes, we will continue to roll out community partnerships in all of the neighborhoods across that footprint, uh, for sure. And you talked a little bit about embracing the vision. And, you know, it's important that anybody, if you're doing marketing for a company, that the company itself embraces the vision that the employees and, you know, right. everybody at part of it, yeah. you know, down to everybody. We did have a question from YouTube that um, will relate to that. It says, please ask Blair why, how he's able to convince doctors of why non-traditional marketing approaches are so important now. And what tips does he have to stay fresh and stay inspired and stay ahead? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, while, while challenging, I think my answer is maybe too, too simple for, for the question. I know, I think I know where the question is going, so I'll, I'll, give, it a, I'll give it a varsity, I'll give it a varsity answer. Um, the reality is I try hard to make sure that they understand they're not the expert in that space. So my hope would be that they have decided to invest in a marketing department. And what investing in a marketing department means is more than just paying us salary and benefits. It's investing in the fact that you have an expert that you can refer to inside your, you could pull it out your pocket and there's a marketing department. What is their suggestion on how we go about doing it? It's like when people say we're collecting all this data and it's great. Well, are you doing anything with the data? Because if you're not, what's the point in collecting it? Who cares? It's the same thing. If you're going to have a marketing department and then tell them what to do, my question would be, why do you have a marketing department? Right? 
it, 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 and so I'm not trying to simplify the question, but I, I think the reality is if you're in a situation where your leadership of physicians is um, micromanaging, quite frankly, your ability to drive their business and do so in a successful manner, you should stop asking why you're doing the marketing and you should start asking, what role do you want me to play in the organization to make it more successful? Do you want me to be an advocate for the business? If so, let me be great at what I do. You stay great at what you do. And the do is the fact that you're the talent. I, I should mention that we're a private company that is owned by the doctors that work here. So if I can make a sports analogy, we're, the docs are the players on the field. I'm the coaches and the people in the front office. Without the docs, we have no talent. We can't play the game. So what they should be focused on is being really great at being on the field. Let the rest of the team figure out how to manage to make the team as successful as possible. And so that's maybe how I would address the question is show why, find out why they want to know. Now, my other little quick thing real quick is I would also say it's okay to ask for forgiveness versus permission. But to do that, you have to show up with data. Do something and then show them why it worked. Don't do it and just say, we did this. I know you didn't ask me, but we did it. No, do it and show them why it worked. So if you decide you're going to all of a sudden you know, go hardcore into video or into podcasting or into Instagram reels, for example, and it costs you money and it's a human that's taking time to do this work, do the work, create something great, and then show them the data that justifies the expense behind it. It makes it much easier for them to see something that is traditionally non-traditional as now being more traditional, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. definitely. And, cool. and it's, it's kind of about a, a, you know, sometimes you have to remind yourself to stay in your lane and it's kind of hard nowadays where everyone has a phone and everyone can yeah. think that they are, you know, marketing a brand um, on Instagram. Yeah. You know, so yeah, of course. It becomes challenging. And, and, you're right. I mean, it's, you know, the, the internet and social media is the greatest thing and the worst thing at the same time. You know, yep. there's never been a better way to communicate to more people rapidly ever before and candidly learn more than ever before. At the same time, the exact opposite happens. Now, everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a version of what they think is great. And you have to mitigate and manage, uh, you know, that, that, uh, that, that duality. Yeah, exactly. We have another question from Deborah Bosley. Other than supporting entities with dollars, how can small service businesses integrate themselves into the Charlotte community? Yeah, so clearly, you know, I think uh, caring about something and then actually walking the walk with it. So clearly being a volunteer is great and organizations need volunteers, but I would like to, I would like to refer to it as volunteer with advocacy. Do it and do it and then tell people that you're getting it done. And so small organizations that can contribute can do so by volunteering and then advocating for the volunteering they just did. So if you're an organization that's looking to grow and you don't necessarily have dollars to do so, becoming a part of something and then telling people that you're a part of it allows you to market yourself a bit. Here's what we stand for as a company. We do X, Y, and Z in, in the marketplace. The other way to do that is to quite frankly, offer services to them that are added value to say, here's how I think we can improve upon what it is that you have or that you're doing. Having said that, I can give you more if you're willing to help me contribute in some way financially. Um, at the end of the day, I, I think that we're all kind of marketers. It just, some of us have that title behind our name, 
But however you position yourself on Instagram or however you carry yourself or what you wear to the office or what you wear to, a, you know, to bed at night, you're marketing yourself in some capacity to somebody, right? I mean, so just carry that idea through your daily, your daily life. I mean, if your belief is that we should be part of a community and we believe in something that they're doing, giving your time and your treasure um, are, are valuable but doing so and reminding people that you're associated with something else, an organization, a company, a firm, a, 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 a vision, you can say that too. It's okay to say that I, Blair, am doing this, and I'm also doing it because an organization like mine, North Carolina, believes in it too. And so it gives you a little bit of that double, that double whammy. That's actually how you form partnerships. That's how relationships get built. Because yeah. at the end of the day, when you pay somebody and you don't really get anything back, that's just a vendorship. It isn't actually a partnership. You want somebody to advocate for you when you don't ask them to do so. That's what a partner does. Yeah. I'm a big yeah. advocate of partnerships when it comes to marketing. And I, it, it kind of shows sometimes, you know, there, there's no real shortcuts. You kind of have to get out there and, and do the work and be part of things and let something grow. And typically if you, yeah, if you do that and you put I the legwork in, it, it kind of, pays oh, those are the strongest brands. You yeah, know. precisely. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. They actually wind up thinking for you. You know, I mean, one of the things that I will, I, will, I will add to the conversation is, you know, we're a marketing department of five people, but I feel like through all the partnerships and all of the people that we have met, we're actually a marketing department of like 80 people because all of the partners we have in the community are looking to do things that make our brand and our business stronger. That's a partnership. You know, yeah. I see folks from iHeart on the phone and from WDAV and a lot of other people that we work with, they do those things for us. They say, you know what, this program, while cool, and we have to sell it because we're a business too, but we believe it's right for your brand. That's a partnership. And let's figure out a way to make this happen. And let's, let's do that. And so I think that that is some of what you're seeking, right? Yeah. Um, we have a question that relates to that from Jay Ahua. I hope I'm saying your name right, Jay. Ahuja. Yeah, Jay. Ahuja. Jay Ahuja. Ahuja. Yep. Um, OC does a bunch of unique things to brand itself as a responsible community partner, but still utilizes, utilizes mass media. How do you decide on that mix? Which is a great question because, you know, that's kind of what you're talking about. You I mean, you're still with iHeartRadio, you have all these partnerships. A lot of them are still mass media. We see billboards, buses. How, does, how do you kind of divide that mix? Yeah, so I think it's truly on a, on a case by case basis. You know, I do think that there is some marketing, uh, you know, tactical, you know, pieces that, that weigh into that, you know, is there, what is the persona associated with that brand? What is the target audience that they deliver? What kind of reach do they have? And certainly that's a part of it. But I actually like to think of it a little bit differently. What is the comprehensive message that we're trying to send and what partners can we utilize to help us get that message across? Sometimes it takes the form of a maybe broadcast channel or what I would call maybe a media outlet. Other time it takes the form of a facility. Other time it takes the form of a grassroots partnership. It, it is not a set formula anytime ever. It's really more about um, here's what we are getting into in the next six months, nine months, 18 months, and what partners can we have that help us make that work? So it's a varying uh, percentage, right? Sometimes it's right. heavy on broadcast and, and maybe traditional. Sometimes it's not so heavy. Uh, sometimes it's more grassroots. Sometimes, you know, during a pandemic and your budget is cut and things change, you completely rewrite the playbook on how you're going to do marketing and move the brand forward. So it's, I guess my answer to Jay is it's not really a set percentage. It's more about how does that partnership and that relationship serve the need that we have and that you have. 
We have, a, I think we have time for one more question. Are you okay on time, Blair? I'm good, I'm great. Okay, cool. So we've got um, Brenda, Brenda Jordan. Um, she has a question with the changing technology, so many platforms, et cetera. As you invest more dollars, what does success in the future look like for Ortho Carolina and describe your ROI needed? Let's yeah. see all the dollars you need. <laughs> yes, yes, precisely. So I think, you know, there's a couple kinds of, couple ways to think about ROI. You know, we're, as I said before, you know, we're a, we're a, we're a for-profit business. Our, our goal is to stay in business, right? So we need new patients. We need patient volume. We need uh, to make sure that people are choosing us for their care. Uh, and clearly anything that we can do that drives those metrics is, is considered um, successful. Um, but I like to use a little bit more of a, uh, you know, sort of a back of the napkin formula, which is, um, if it feels right and the anecdotal commentary you get from folks, partners that you work with, if they're hearing that what you're doing is making a difference in the community or making a difference for their constituents, then to me, it's successful. I don't know that it's necessarily as simple as saying we have a CPM uh, that we're trying to hit. Sometimes we do, but at the end of the day, it's sometimes we pay a premium for a product because we know that it's driving home relevance and or importance for a, for, a, for a segment that we really want to be important with and that we want to have relationships with. So ROI comes in many forms. Do we feel like this is serving a need for a community that we have? Do we don't get a lot of ROI on a grant that we give other than feeling really good about the grant that we give? You know, the, the idea that we're going to create a more civically minded and humanitarian society. I can see Deborah on the phone and, and, and I know she asked a question. You know, you think of like, you know, the Charlotte Center and what they're trying to do. I don't know if the ROI out of that is that someone on that group twists their ankle and becomes a patient with their Carolina. We want our community to be stronger. And so is the ROI dollars and cents? I don't really think so. The ROI is that going back to my opening statement, maybe the community is stronger. It's more robust. It has a more communicative dialogue. We are, you know, we are skeptical about one another. Maybe all of that is good. And if that's good, then the community's stronger. Again, how is that bad for Ortho Carolina? How can that be seen as a negative? Um, yeah. It certainly, it may not add, but it certainly can't detract. Yeah, and sometimes the ROI is not a statistical number that you can you know, just, point to. It's just not, yeah, it's just not. And, and there's lots of areas where it can be, right? You know, digital marketing, you can track everything. And again, yeah. do your best to track it and show value. There are some things that you cannot uh, and yeah. just know that you can't. Yeah. Well, it is 11.32, so we do need to wrap up. But truly, we could keep talking Great. to you all day. <laughs> I'm fascinated awesome. and I, I awesome. love hearing your insight. Good. That was my pleasure. It's certainly my pleasure. Thank you so much for being here with us for the Human Touch today, Blair, and thank you everybody else for joining. We are back again on April 8th, that's a Thursday at 11 a.m. with Joni Deutsch of WFAE on Podcasting 101. So take your marketing skills, start your podcast. Yes, there it is. We got everything for you. So thank awesome. you everybody so much, and we will be sending a recording of this out this week. Thank you.